Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. From Studio C. Oh, C, Senior. Tuesday. Dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. And hey, everybody. Today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Much as I'd like to go with Kyle Rittenhouse, I think we need to go with Xi Jinping and Vlad Putin. Hmm? Brace yourselves, friends. May you live in interesting times. Okay. My general manager is the numbness in my toes. Let me adjust the thermostat real quick. Now is the winter of our discontent. So just a little quick background while Jack's manipulating the temperatures. 60, 64 it was set on. That's, see, if it's 64 outside, I wear a jacket. Yeah. Crying out loud. Yes. Anyway, I was saying uh, old man Biden and Xi Jinping on the phone last night, their phone summit, their Zoom summit, getting a fair amount of coverage, not very good coverage. We will offer you an alternative. And Vlad Putin is quietly assembling what is clearly an invasion force on the Ukrainian border, also shot one of his own satellites out of space, creating dangerous space debris, and the entire Earth is condemning him for it like he gives a borscht. So, <laughs> I saw that story and didn't quite understand it. So uh, why did he shoot down his own satellite? Well, they're testing a satellite-killing weapon. Oh, okay. And if you shoot down somebody else's satellite, well, okay. it's on. Gotcha. Oh, Wow. Yeah, and satellite shooting down weapons, from what I understand, China's got the best, so Russia has them too. I mentioned this last week. It's one of the reasons that a lot of experts say China will move on Taiwan within six years, because within six years, we'll have the ability to stop China from doing that. Right now, China could shoot down a bunch of our satellites if they wanted to invade Taiwan, and we'd be fairly helpless. Ah, I see. Our communication would be knocked out of the water, as it were, Mm -hmm. or the air. Uh, I know our military is working very hard on uh, multiple quick-switching communication systems. Maybe that's that six-year timeline you're talking about? Could be. I wonder. I'll be darned. Yeah, deliberations in the Rittenhouse trial begin today. Both sides finished up their arguments yesterday. We got some highlights. There was some wacky stuff in there yesterday. Oh. If they don't, if the deliberations don't begin today and end today, I'll be shocked. Yeah, I know. You said that. And I don't have the slightest idea. I've never been on jury. I don't know anything about any of this. But I was watching Shannon Bream last night, and she had her legal experts on Fox, and they all said oh, it'll take days. So I don't know. Interesting. Maybe it's because there are multiple counts and they'll have to go through each one. That's Although, what they said, that they're going to have to uh, go through each one of those, watch the videos, discuss it, all that sort of I don't know why you, you don't have just, to do anything. No, right. I don't know why you couldn't just sit down. Is there anybody here who doesn't think that was clearly self-defense in every case? Right. And everybody says, yeah, then you're done, right? Yeah, they give you all sorts of legal instructions on what the charges mean and what it takes to, to prove them and that sort of thing. But then once you get into the, the jury room to deliberate, there are no instructions on how to deliberate. You all sit there looking at each other generally. You have to choose a foreman. That's the f- four person. Uh, that's the first thing you do. Once you do that, generally the four person says, so, um, ah, uh, and then you get to work. You just kind of start. And so, I suppose if, a, if, 
And if it, the foreperson says, look, I'm just saying I don't think the dude's guilty. Um, is there anybody who would like to deliberate? And if nobody raises their hands, you're done. But you start if, filling out forms. And if I'm, I'm, if I'm in that crowd of jurors and I've got the attitude I've got right now, and I'll admit I only watched bits and pieces of it. I didn't watch the whole trial by any means. Um, but if my, if my belief is always oh, clearly self-defense, I'm just hoping, please, please, none of you numb nuts say it was. I'm not sure. Because once somebody says, I'm not sure, okay, now we're going to be here for a week. We're going to watch all the videos. We're going to rediscuss all this stuff. It, <laughs> if it one, could be. If one person says, I don't know. I mean, yeah. that guy had his hand on the gun and he shot him in the hand. I don't know. Right, right. The closing arguments, uh, well, the closing argument by the prosecution last night I thought was was quite weak. And and full of just ridiculous, uh, willful ignorance of gun safety, gun realities. My favorite one was when uh, one of the uh, shootees was charging Mr. Rittenhouse and had gotten within an arm's reach of him and the gun. And uh, at that point, Mr. Rittenhouse fired and the prosecutor was trying to make the case. He was still four feet away. He was four feet away. There was no need to pull the trigger. He didn't know if he would keep going. I'm like, wait a minute. Somebody's charging me and four feet. If you've ever been trained in firearms, somebody can close four feet in the, in a the well, fraction of a second. The actual training is if your gun is holstered, anybody inside of 21 feet can get to you before you can get your gun out, drawn and pointed at them. 21 mm-hmm. feet is the rule that cops use. That's right. a, that's a lot further than four feet. Yeah. Yeah. Unless um, it's me charging at you, then you you know <laughs> you got a while. You got a while. <laughs> Foot speed ain't what it was. I make up for it in my wiliness. Well, he said at one point, and we'll get into this more later. But the the prosecution guy said, "Look at a scenario." This is when he did the Roadhouse defense, which became very. Uh, he put up a picture from the movie Roadhouse, mm. the Patrick Swayze classic. I missed that part. Tell me about it. And of course, uh, Twitter reacted quite. Uh, <laughs> Quite As loudly Twitter on all that. Must, If yes. you put up a roadhouse image, expect a lot of Twitter reaction. You got Patrick <laughs> Swayze in a fist fight with some other dude in this pool hall. But anyway, one scenario where there's two guys who are throwing punches at one another like a bar fight, I think we'd all agree you can't kill someone. And I thought, what? <laughs> if if somebody is fighting me with their fists, I'm worried they're gonna kill me. Right. Right. And if I got some way to stop them, I'm gonna stop them because I'm afraid they're gonna kill me. Yeah, wow, there's a lot of just crazy, ridiculous course, stuff in, in that uh, closing argument. I don't know why so. I feel sorry for the guy, but I always go back to this. He's got a bad case. So he's got, a, I mean, you know, his job is to try to get the guy off. So he's throwing us out, hoping that some jurors will say, yeah, that's right. You trying to get the guy convicted. Or get yeah. the, get, got, try to get the guy convicted. Yeah. Um, uh, he's hoping that some of the jurors will say, yeah, yeah, you can't kill somebody in a fist fight. So what does he, he brought the gun. So, right. you know, he's doing his job. Yeah, he is. Yep. I'm just uh, not, appraising the strength right, of his case. Right, but I, I hear him called an idiot and everything. Well, oh, no, just, no, no, no. He's got no choice but to try to make a bad argument. Unless no, he's don't. just going to say, I give up and walk out. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, well, you only go with bad arguments generally if you have no good arguments. Sure. Which is the situation he finds himself in. Although I tell you what, in one final note, then we can start the show officially. The uh, the assistant DA guy who goes about 350, he looks to be about 5'9", 350. They, the, the Twitterverse calls him Lunchbox. That's not a bad moniker. So Lunchbox is up there talking about how, no, you're a coward if you don't just go ahead and fight the mob with your fists. Right. And I'm thinking the last fight he was in was against the ham sandwich at lunch, and wow. he won it. Wow. Yeah. That was not. 
That, that was beneath you. Oh, please. Nothing is. <laughs> we should start the show officially. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Tuesday, November 16th, the year 2021, where Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Oh, my gosh. His last fight was with a ham sandwich. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> All right. Let's begin the show officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go at Mark. Uh, he wrapped up an ankle and I think maybe helped somebody who got a cut on their hand. Yay. You know, when we balance your role as a medic that night, I don't give you any credit. Uh, Your Honor, can I pause to ingest this Twinkie? Last fight was with a box of donuts, and he made them submit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one was over, but quick. (laughs) Jeez. I should talk. The donuts, donuts tapped out in about 60 seconds. I had four donuts for breakfast Sunday morning. I should talk. Four. Um, yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, you know, I went into the donut shop to buy two. They said, hey, uh, we're slow today. How about we throw in a couple extra? I thought, yeah, I'm going to eat them. I, I didn't buy two because I can't afford the other two. Mm. But they gave me four. And, and since you had four. Since I had four. I, yes. What, am I going to waste them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Uh, how does mailbag look? Oh, it's it's quite good. It's nice. It's funny. Got a holiday sweater you might want to run out and purchase, believe it or not. Awesome. Yeah, we got lots of stuff to catch up on, and if you hear us talking about anything you can add to or subtract from, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. By the way, something. Oh, yeah. It's Warrior Foundation Freedom Station Week. We're raising lots of money. We'll do an update on that this hour. We'll tell you where we are. We had a pretty good day one. And if you still don't know what Warrior Foundation Freedom Station is, we're going to talk to a guy who benefited from it greatly uh, after he was wounded fighting battles on behalf of our country. So uh, all that stuff on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So you think you know how bad a regime China is? Well, I tweeted out something that makes them, uh, might uh, take them down a notch, or up a notch, depending on how you look at it. Uh, They are a horrible regime. We'll talk more about that later. But first, we need to do a quick update for uh, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. We're raising money this week with our goal. Go ahead, drumroll, Gladys. With our goal of $500,000 by close of business on the Armstrong and Getty show on uh, on Friday. So that's a pretty hefty goal in you know, that amount of time. Well, we're off to a good start. Ladies and gentlemen, currently we're at $106,646. Yeah, over a hundred grand on day Tis one. a fine start. A hundred grand on day one? I don't know. I'm not going to be back slapping on the sidelines after the first quarter, which is a fifth. We play fifths in this game. We got a $25 donation from the Getty Institute of Arguing Unfairly. $100 from the Brandon administration. $200 from Sweet and Sour Pork. <laughs> An early dinner in with $25. With 25 bucks. Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, fantastic organization bringing critical needs or services to just when our warriors need it most, including plane tickets home for the holidays so they can get out of the hospital or the rehab or even the transitional housing and, and see the folks this holiday. Love it. 
Love it. They do so many great things. Uh, if you want to know more, just you can Google the organization, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, or just go to armstrongandgetty.com to give as generously as you can. Not a joke. Donated $25. If you just want to get in your joke donation, the money, yes. all, the money all spends the same way. Not a joke. I wonder what uh, the total for Corn Pop will be. He's not as hot as he was last year, but Brand- I'm sure he'll give generously again. Brandon's the hot donator this year. Yeah, it's all about the Brandon administration. Yeah, fabulous. Again, go to armstrongandgetty.com. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. Jake in Charlottesville, Virginia, sent this along, and I appreciate it. He explains how in his technical field, somebody was uh, saying, why don't we just ban this chemical that we use? And he uh, he referenced G.K. Chesterton's uh, quote uh, from 1929. Uh, I'll give you the long version, then the very simple and easy to understand version. There exists in such a case a certain institution or law. Let us say, for the sake of simplicity, a fence or gate the erected great across fence the road. Story. This is one of the greatest stories in the history of conservatism. If you don't know the fence story, pull the kids around right now and listen to the radio. That was some good hype right there, and well deserved, because it is a key foundation of why conservatives are conservative. The more modern type of reformer goes gaily up to it and says, I don't see the use of this. Let us clear it away. To which the more intelligent type of reformer will do well to answer, quote, if you don't see the use of it, I certainly won't let you clear it away. Go away and think. Then when you can come back and tell me that you do see the use of it, I may allow you to destroy it. And Jake says, I'm going to teach this to my children for as long as they'll allow me to. Uh, And then he says there are several abridgments of this, uh, the best of which I think is, quote, don't ever take a fence down until you know the reason it was put up. Yeah, if you ever hear anybody referring to the G.K. Chesterton fence, that's what they're talking about. If you come across a fence, there's probably a reason it's there or any other thing you come across. Right, including an institution in society, a tradition, a uh, a legal principle, etc. Mailbag. Hey guys, writes Tom, don't forget to mention that some companies match their employees' donations to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. I donated by my company's giving site. Today happens to be Dell, the good folks at Dell. I'm uh, working on a Dell computer right now. Uh, And they matched 100%. They let me tag it for the AMG campaign. Cool. Uh, That's a good point. See if your company matches charitable contributions. Justin sent this long, best Christmas sweater ever. It's uh, red and white. It's your typical Christmas-looking sweater with uh, snowflakes and stuff in the Christmassy pattern. And it says in big letters, unvaccinated and ready to talk politics at Christmas. (laughs) Oh, I should have mentioned there's a nice uh, row of reindeer right there around the uh, waistline. Unvaccinated and ready to talk politics at Christmas. He says, I can imagine the liberal side of the family steam coming out of their ears like Yosemite Sam already. <laughs> Hilarious. Wow. If that's what you're looking for out of your Christmas uh, gathering. Yes, indeed. Don that sweater, my friends. Don ye now our gay apparel is my advice. Uh, Paolo writes, Not guys. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Guys, the monetary bathtub is overflowing. Two economists make a pretty simple convincing state that inflation, or I'm sorry, case that inflation will be substantial and not transitory. See if you can follow this. The money supply is increased by $5.1 trillion. That's 36% since 2019. They estimate another $5.5 trillion by 2024. Some of that money is absorbed by increased GDP, more things to spend it on. 
some of it is absorbed by increased demand for money and more savings. That'll ta- total maybe $2.4 trillion. That leaves $8.6 trillion to be absorbed by inflation. And he goes into some more detail, but... And the Biden administration is still trying to pitch the idea that the inflation is going to be transitory. They can find nobody of substance to back them at this point. I think there's a chance we're going to look back on this in a couple of years, and everybody will be in an agreement at that point, of course, because it'll be obvious to everyone. Uh, that just If you throw this much money into the economy, you're going to end up with a lot of inflation for a long time. And I just... I, uh... If we're gonna like, we're all gonna look back and say, "What were we thinking? How did we do that?" And look it up. The governor of Iowa is in trouble for using COVID nineteen funds for salaries. You know why she probably did that? Because she's just a wash in COVID nineteen money. There wasn't right. anything to spend it on. Right, right. It's interesting, and we'll drill down on this a little bit later. But when Joe Biden was asked about inflation the other day, he went into one of those long rambling great grandpa uh, screeds of his, where he pointed out, well. <laughs> Everybody's got their checks for $1,400, and everybody's got uh, plenty of money. And uh, and uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where 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 am I? I'm in a cul-de-sac. I don't know how to get out of it. And Flat out of care. Well, that's right. Um, just crazy. So uh, Kevin in Boston. There I was, enjoying a refreshing adult beverage after work, perusing the news when I came across this article. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I think to myself, call over my fiancé, who's Russian born and raised, asked her, what the hell are you people up to over there? Uh, turns out his job is tracking space debris, and they called him in at 3 o'clock in the morning because this Russian destruction of their own satellite to trust, to uh, test one of their satellite killers has caused a serious problem. The astronauts in the International Space Station had to go into full lockdown, cowering and waiting for death mode. Well, I want to hear more about this. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Is there going to become a time where you might call him, old friend to old friend, and ask him to open up China to the World Health Organization investigators who are trying to get to the bottom of COVID-19? Let's get something straight. We know each other well. We're not old friends. It's just pure business. Good to see you, Mr. President and your colleagues. I'm very happy to see my old friend. (laughs) So, so that's Biden earlier in the day telling Fox, that, Look, let's get this straight. We're not old friends. And then the first thing she says to him, hello, old friend. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that means. It it's mean. probably not good. I don't know if it means anything. But I'm not rooting for Xi Jinping over old Joe Biden or anything. It's just kind of funny trolling. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so I, I read with interest this morning a number of different uh, bits of coverage of the uh, the big Zoom meeting last night between our guy and, and the dictator of China. And I just thought it was very interesting. The, the headline in the New York Times, for instance, a uh, story written by Stephen Lee Myers, who I know a little bit, and David Sanger, who I think highly of. Um, the headline is, What Did the U.S.-China Summit Achieve? Um, and, and then the subhead, U.S.-China summit produces little more than polite words, but they help in a chilly relationship of mutual distrust, staving off the prospect of a broader, broader conflict between two superpowers counts as progress. 
And I'll just I'll hit you with a little bit, then we can launch into our analysis. The virtual meeting between Old Joe and and Old and and Winnie the Pooh produced no breakthroughs in a relationship that has spiraled dangerously downward. That was not the intent. Instead, the two leaders sought to keep the many disputes between the two countries from escalating into a broader conflict. If they can translate their words into a kind of détente, it would count as a diplomatic success. It seems to me, said President Biden, we need to establish some common sense guardrails in his opening remarks. Mr. Xi, for his part, called Mr. Biden my old friend and used a nautical metaphor, comparing the two countries to ships that must together navigate the ocean's winds and waves without colliding. And, and David Sanger's no fool. And, um, and maybe if I read to the very bitter end of this long article, he would get to it, but... Jack, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, all Xi Jinping wants to do is avoid the open conflict till he's ready for the open conflict. Sure. Well, yeah. If if his goal is to take Taiwan, and it is, um, yeah, yeah. Anything that's uh, stalling, if you're the aggressor, if you're the one that's going to start the war, yeah, you don't have any problem with that. Right. Exactly. You're you're trying to avoid a a provocation, of course, until you're ready to make the provocation. He's a boxer. He's dancing around. He's he's throwing little jabs here and there, just feeling his way. He's not ready to throw the big hook. And so he comes into this uh, Zoom meeting and says, let's not be throwing any big hooks here. There need be no haymaker punches between us, old friend. Ha, ha, ha. As he's just waiting for an opening. Right. And they've declared that. They've made it clear. I did read the entire Wall Street Journal article, and at the beginning of it, it seemed like kind of a big nothing. And then I got toward the end, and it seemed like all the juicy stuff was at the end of the article because, you know, we didn't get to watch the... Uh, it was behind closed doors of the Zoom meeting. Reading a little from the Wall Street Journal, the White House... Joe Biden didn't fall asleep, did he? <laughs> Joe Biden reiterated to his old friend underscored that the United States remains committed to the one China policy. Okay, well, that's that's newsworthy to me because... Sure. Um, remember, Biden stated that we would defend Taiwan just a couple of weeks ago, then had to walk that back immediately because that's not our policy. Uh, anyway, so uh, the one China policy is China saying, Taiwan belongs to us. They're part of China. And we're saying, okay, if you say so. Mm. Um, which is I, uh, not as defendy of of Taiwan as I would like, but it'd be pretty provocative if we changed that at this point. Anyway, moving on. Uh, he also said the U.S. strongly opposes unilateral efforts to change the status quo or undermine peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. Okay, appreciate Biden saying that. A signal to Beijing that it shouldn't follow through on plans to take Taiwan by force. State broadcaster China Central Television said Mr. Biden offered reassurances the U.S. would not support Taiwan independence. During the virtual meeting, this is the part that got my attention, the Chinese leader said the new round of rising tensions in the Taiwan Strait were due to island authorities who he said were attempting to rely on the U.S. to seek independence, according to a readout by China's official news agency. So Xi said, yeah, well, we're uh, we're acting this way because you're telling the Taiwanese that you're going to help them get independence. Which I think is a relatively provocative thing to say. Right, and accused us of uh, playing with fire for supporting Taiwan. Yeah, Xi said, we have the patience and are willing to strive for the prospect of peaceful reunification. But if the separatist forces of Taiwan independence continue to provoke and cross the red line, we will have no choice but to take drastic measures. 
Wow, so China, which has sent hundreds of aircrafts into Taiwan, Taiwan's defense zone, accuses them of provocations. That's f- hilarious. So for all the flowery talk like you just mentioned of a bunch of news outlets saying, hey, you know, nothing really happened here, and they both just said, I, I thought that was some pretty harsh stuff right there. Right. Inside of Taiwan, you guys are messing around with Taiwan trying to help them get independence. And if you don't knock it off, we'll have no choice but take drastic measures. That's what he said. Well, right, right. And I have more on that uh, that topic. Uh, you know, Biden raised concerns about human rights abuses, which is nice. That's for the domestic audience. Xi Jinping doesn't give a fly in you know no. what what anybody thinks about human rights abuses. Uh, he brought about uh, brought up China's unfair trade and economic policies harming American workers. Mr. Xi, according to China's own readout, said that American support for Taiwan was playing with fire. And this is the part that I thought was especially interesting. He explicitly warned that the world risked slipping back into the superpower confrontations of a half century ago. And I quote, you know, as if we're not already there. Engaging in ideological demarcation, camp division, group confrontation will inevitably bring disaster to the world. He said a clear reference to the pillar of the new administration strategy uh, and, and the previous administration and the next administration strategy, I would guess, for challenging China by teaming up with like-minded nations that fear China or oppose its authoritarian model. Australia, Japan. Exactly. India. Um, among others, the consequence of the Cold War are not far away. And soon, you know, the, the EU surely will be lining up with, uh, with the, uh, the quad nations of the U.S., Australia, Japan, and India. Um, so it, it, again, and, and there's a little bit more to this if you're interested, but I just thought that the headlines and the, the umbrella kind of description of it, there were no breakthroughs, but they discussed avoiding a, uh, you know, a collision in the future, blah, blah, blah. No, it seemed like two massively powerful set in stone adversaries reminded each other of their positions. Yeah, and, I would and, agree. And stared across the abyss at each other. Yeah, getting back to Roadhouse. The uh, the movie that they quoted in the Rittenhouse trial yesterday. We don't have to get back to Roadhouse, but if you'd like to. You got a shirtless, bemulleted Patrick Swayze standing there with his fists up. Is he the U.S. The, or China? Are you kidding? Of course he's the United States. My mistake. It's a shirtless, oily Patrick Swayze. My bad. Of course that's the United States. And then the other guy, I don't remember. Too bad Sean's not here. He would remember the name of the character. Uh, the other guy who's China. Yeah, to me it was two guys squaring off, reminding each other of what the situation is. I didn't. I, I didn't. I thought the headlines were just wrong about their own articles. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Two bitter adversaries. Reminded each other of where their tripwires were, and then said good night. Yeah, the United States said we will not allow you to take Taiwan by force. China said you're uh, promoting independence within Taiwan, and if you don't stop, we're going to take it by force. Okay, that was uh, that was uh, nothing happening and good news and quieting things down, calming things down. I I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, Danny Russell said something kind of interesting. He was a former assistant secretary of state uh, who dealt with China during the Obama administration. He said, quote, both leaders are dissatisfied with the state of the relationship and the behavior of the other country. Both are also mindful of the risk of an incident between our militaries that could quickly spin out of control. Okay, fair enough. I'm not. And it's good to be in touch. It's good to be in touch. Oh, yeah. and just uh, make sure everybody understands where everybody else stands because... From our perspective, we want to 
we want to uh, stave off a, a cataclysm too, or some sort of unnecessary conflict, because we think th- the Chinese model will collapse. We don't think they will inevitably get more and more powerful. At but, least I don't. But on the other hand, to me, if you're the status quo world order, us, the other side is a lot less worried about conflict than we are. Because conflict brings about change. We don't want any change. We like the current status quo of the world the way it's been for a long time with us running everything, keeping shipping lanes open, Mm. our alliances. I doubt China's as concerned about a conflict as we are. That's an interesting point of view. I thought you were going to say that since China's power is on the increase and ours isn't necessarily that we should attack now. I was going to accuse you of warmongering. I'm afraid I'll have to pass on that. We can talk more about that later, and we probably will. This this story is gruesome. If you don't want to hear gruesome, tune out, because it. I felt bad that I tweeted it out yesterday, because maybe I should take it down, because, you know, if you're, you don't expect that sort of thing out of our Twitter feed, and if you're not prepared for it, it's pretty, pretty brutal. I'm not hip to this. What the what? It's a brutal story. It gives you an idea of what China is like. Oh, it's got a video. And again, tune out if you're a pet lover and this sort of stuff oh, bothers you. Oh, uh, now I know. There's oh, a video making the rounds of the Chinese government going into at home. But apparently they're doing this around the country. If you got the covid, they're worried your pet has the covid. So the authorities come into the your home and beat your dog to death with an iron bar and carry it out in a sack. That's what the Chinese government does. Chinese asshole. And there's a and one woman got a video of her little corgi being beaten to death. Jeez Louise! With an iron bar by Chinese Arr. authorities. Yeah, it's gruesome. This is on the front page of the Wall Street Journal today, and that just gives you an idea. To me, that tells you what you need to know about that government versus ours. Yeah, and as I tweeted, and hey, good news, the opening ceremony's coming up in just a few weeks in China. Yeah, true that. I suppose everybody has different triggers. The fact that they have hundreds of thousands of slaves kind of made the case for me that they're dog abusers. You know, okay, yeah, that's that's bad, too. But that's beyond dog abuse. I mean, that that's not just like you, you confiscate the pet and put it to death or something like that. Oh, you yeah. walk in in front of the owner and beat it to death with a with a pipe? Right. Leading blood on the floor and carrying out in a sack, as this woman's video shows. And the dog owner sits there, shuts up, and takes it. Because that's what the government does. And it's also, having read about totalitarian regimes now for decades and decades and decades, totalitarian regimes know what they're doing. That's another message to you. We're in charge. You do what we say, no matter what. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. You will submit. Yeah, that's an Orwell thing right there. But man, oh man, China is a scary country. You want that country to dominate the planet? Do you? Side with the NBA and Nike and anybody who's willing to ignore what they do. I watch the NBA and I wear Nikes. So, uh, wow. I don't know what that makes me. Wow, wow. God, somebody got something to lighten this joint up? Well, Has I anybody just, got yeah, anything? I told you it was dark. Let's go, Brandon. Anything? <laughs> We're doing good over here in our country, like raising money for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Right. We should do an update. We'll tell you a little bit about it. We're going to talk to a warrior who benefited from uh, Freedom Station a little bit later in the program. You can donate by going to armstrongandgetty.com. Our text line, as always, is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. But Biden's not letting things like the approval of the American people get him down, saying he intends to run for re-election in 2024, even though he'd be 86 at the end of his second term. Oh, my God. Meaning he'd be the first president to switch the red phone over to consumer cellular. <laughs> this button, hold on, shh. This button dials 911. This one dials my grandson. And this one bombs Iran. Wow. Oops. I think I just bombed my grandson. Hold on. Yeesh. Better Oof. call 911. Yeah. So uh, CBS is reporting that uh, Joe Biden said he's running in 2024. He's got to say that yeah, because obviously it'd be a political explosion if he announced he wasn't. So that, yeah, does, but that doesn't obviously mean anything. Not, you know, we might as well be discussing whether Bruce Jenner is going to compete in the d- biathlon again or the decathlon again. Well, not, is, as, not as a guy, he's not. <laughs> well, those days are behind him. That's my point. Being a dude, yeah. It's not, no, that's not my point. My point is that it's not going to happen. Um, I, I, I am not interested in this actually politically. I'm only kind of interested in this as a Game of Thrones sort of the way people are maneuvering sort of way in that. So uh, CNN has a story out yesterday beating up on Kamala Harris. And then uh, that became a news story today. Just just for like Washington, D.C. types, not for normal people. No normal people were talking about this. But right. inside the Beltway, it was a big deal that CNN run this anti Kamala Harris story, citing all sorts of inside the White House people. So I read later in the day somebody strategizing what's going on here. Uh, it's because everybody assumes Biden's not going to be running. Mm-hmm. And people who, uh, Democrats who want to be president, see Kamala Harris as weak and they're trying to knock her out early so that it's open to run. Because normally, normally it would be kind of, you know, it's Kamala Harris's to have. Sure, uh, let, she's the presumptive nominee. She's yes. the presumptive nominee. People would still run against her, but it would be it would be different. It'd be like when Hillary ran a few years back, and nobody really had the guts to step forward and really challenge her um, until Barack Obama did. Um, <laughs> uh, but so that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to knock down Kamala Harris because they assume he's not running. So I think that's kind of interesting. On the other side, on the R side, man, Chris Chris Christie is he went on the View yesterday. He's got a new book out. It's all about turning the page, uh, the, 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 the title of it. I don't have it in front of me, but something about turning away from conspiracy theories and lies and stuff like that. And, he's, and he, he states every time he's interviewed, Donald Trump lost. It's a conspiracy theory to say that he didn't. So he, he, he jumps into that right away. He was on Brian Williams last night. So he goes on The View and MSNBC in one day promoting his book. Wow, he sees the opening in the slightly left-to-center suburbs and in the moderate uh, land. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, assuming, I guess, he'll, he thinks he'll get the R votes no matter what. I don't, I don't know what he's thinking, but he's clearly running for president, and he's more than willing to take on Trump. Well, I think, you know, without overstating the importance of the Virginia race, the recent uh, gubernatorial race, it, it made it absolutely clear that there is a substantial share of, of the Democratic vote that was anti-Trump but swayable uh, in the absence of Trump. So interesting strategy. We'll have to follow that. It's going to be a fairly crowded and pretty strong field, I think. Speaking of being overweight. There's we a- weren't. We weren't. We, Nobody we, was. We kind of were. No, we weren't. We weren't? No. We weren't? Wow, I thought we'd gotten through an entire Chris Christie conversation without any reference to that. That was like a first. I was so excited. 
You know, oh. if he does become president, I feel bad for that White House chef. We'll oh, have, Michael. That's <laughs> idiotic. We will have to get better Stop at this it. because we will have to get better. <laughs> what do you mean, we? You know, we will have to get better at this because he's a serious contender and he's clearly running and we can't, you know, make a juvenile uh, weight joke every time he uh, his name comes up. That would be embarrassing. Fellow's a little big. Hey, I, would, I just wanted to throw one more thing out about the whole uh, Kamala Harris thing. Okay. And that's so that story comes out on CNN and CNN and Jen Psaki unleashes the tweet that's gotten a fair amount of attention for anyone who needs to hear it. At VP is not only a vital partner to at POTUS, but a bold leader who's taken on key important challenges facing the country from voting rights. How's that going to addressing root causes of migration? Uh, how's that going to expanding broadband, which may be going OK, but and she put that out like at 11 at night. And so the reaction, again, it's a, it's a Beltway thing, but the reaction was, um, if you're so shaky, they have to tweet, no, 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 she's important and we like her. At 11 o'clock at night, you're pretty weak and shaky. So back to speaking of weight, this story, I'm trying to find a source on it. There's just a headline, and I can't find the story on it. Americans gained 17 pounds during COVID. Mm. Well, what do you mean? Each individual American, on average, didn't gain 17 pounds. I mean, that's an extraordinary amount of weight. We didn't total as a country only gain 17 pounds. So what is it? I can't find the it's info. It's got to be on average. No way. No way on average human beings grew by 17 pounds in one year. No way. Well, I didn't write the article. I'm just saying that's the only way I can interpret the headline. I gained several pounds. But not 17. No, sir. That'd be buy all new clothes. Your doctor's saying, holy crap, right. weight gain. Right. Agreed. Oh, I tell you what, really interesting figures on all the uh, medical care that uh, didn't happen during COVID. What a terrible policy that was. If you miss it, grab the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty.